This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Draft season is here, and our insiders are ready to break it down. Player spotlights, draft day trades, team-by-team grades, and the biggest winners and losers from the weekend. It's time for Baldy's Breakdowns with Brian Baldinger and Jason LaCanfora. Welcome, well, and probably welcome back to Odyssey's 2022 draft special. This is the draft day edition the first round mere hours away um we last chatted with everybody on monday we hope everyone's having a great week and i know everybody's ramped up for these selections to start coming off the board uh i am jason lock and Fora at jason lock and Fora on twitter and i will be talking ball as always with my main man, Brian Baldinger, at Baldy NFL as we continue to get you guys prepared for what should be a wild and wacky night. Baldy, out there in Vegas, how are you doing, brother, and how amped are you to get this thing going? Well, I'm amped. Uh, I'm amped. You know, I mean, I think we all are, and we a lot of us think this is, should just be a national holiday. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and it might very well be. Um, I, I do think this, Jason, of all the years I've been doing this, um, I, I can't remember, like, like, I know there's some smoke out there, but I honestly, if people have information, I don't know where it's coming from. Cause I've never seen, I know some teams really well, Jason. And I mean, sure. there isn't a whisper coming out of some of these buildings. You know, yeah. it used to be okay. You know, it was the lying season and you're just putting stuff out. I don't even hear teams put stuff out there right now. I don't know about you. Um, you know, you're a little, you know, you're plugged into certain areas of this league. I, I really can't remember a time when less has been said, um, with as many outlets are out there than I, than this season. And so I think that's part of the intrigue is I don't know what people really know. The mock drafts don't, I mean, they could all get blown up, you know, by the second (laughs) pick in this draft, right? So like, you know, so, you know, we all had to do mocks and, you know, it, it, we mock the mocks. We have fun with it. It's okay. It's a good exercise. Yes. But honestly, when they say, well, you know, let's update it because of information that you have, I'm like, well, where's that coming from? Right. Because I, right. I don't hear it, Jason. I just I just yeah. Well, no, I'm with you. I think, I, I think back to years past and there was consensus, okay, these are the first four picks and the draft starts at five, or these are the first seven and then the draft starts at eight. Here there's been intrigue and and – shenanigans and whatever just about the first overall pick let alone getting to pick seven and eight and seeing what what that looks like and we might as well start at the top of the draft and we'll work our way through the first round throughout this podcast um kind of sort of in chronological order i suppose but baldy i can only imagine what odds as you're out there in vegas you could have got on trayvon walker as the number one pick in the draft back in January 
when his season ended back in February before he blew up the combine. I have to think those odds were fairly astronomical, uh, yet here we are, and Vegas would tell you he's more likely than not to be the first young man to hear his name called. Well, I'm not here to, to denigrate uh, you know Trayvon Walker before his career starts, but I, I can't remember a draft where the number one pick had less production in college than Trayvon Walker. I mean, you, you go back to 2020, you can't – I mean, he didn't start any games – but yeah. you can't find him on the field, you know, in these games. And so, okay, you know, he starts 15 games for the national champions this year. And they have a certain scheme and system there, uh, so, you know, with, you know, great players all over the place. And, you know, you, you're just waiting for him to just really flash and go, okay, this is what first-round talent looks like. This, this is what Bruce, you know, Bruce Smith or, you know, somebody that was the first pick in the draft where you just go, oh, this, you know, sure. this Miles Garrett. Like, oh, this is what the first pick looks like. Like, I can't find a game, Jason, where I go, that's why he's the first pick. Like, I, I can't yep. find it. Now, you could take me to Indianapolis, Jason, and you can measure 35 and a half inch arms and, you know, an 84 and a half inch wingspan and a four five one forty and, at 275 pounds, you go, wow, okay, great. Well, we've seen, we, we've seen great uh, specimens before. It doesn't mean sure. they're great players. I mean, to me, this is just all projection and, and, and like a meteoric rise. And I don't know that this is this is the way it's going to play out. Like, I just – I'm not sure. Like, I, I, I don't know a comp for a player like right. this. Well, let's say he does go one. I'm sure you've picked up some of this out there in the desert. Now there's some rumblings. And look, whether it's grounded in any sort of truth or not, who knows? But you start to see, again, some some uh, numbers move on boards and odds change and people saying, well, you know, Hutchinson might look like a slam dunk at two, but the Lions might take Kayvon Thibodeau or they might take a corner. Are you buying any of that? I think there's a lot of, I mean, I, I think the fact that he's a local kid from Michigan, you know, you can send an Uber over, you know, to Ann Arbor to right. go get him. I mean, I, right. I do think there's, but I, I just think, you know, what Dan Campbell's trying to do, like you're not going to find a better ambassador for what he's trying to build than Hayden Hutchinson. I mean, yeah. you know, a guy that goes out to practice every day and just works. Like you're going to get, when you have that type of attitude, you're going to get better. He's got elite foot quickness. He's got great size. Like, there's nothing – and he did it in, at the highest level. Right. Uh, you know, Michigan could never beat Ohio State. He saved his best game to beat Ohio State that he ever played. Yeah. Um, I did the Big Ten championship game against Iowa. He was the best player on the field that day. Like, you know, I mean, you go to the big games, there's Aiden Hutchinson. And he's all over the field. And he's not on the sideline. And he's not injured. And I go, what, what isn't there to like? Now, I hear teams all the time, Jason, every year, not just this year, talk themselves out of players. Sure. You know, and they're like, well, this, this guy's first step quickness, Kayvon, or whatever it is. Like, I hear teams talk themselves out of players. Matt Millen talked himself out of, you know, <laughs> uh, you know players in Detroit, you know. Um, so it, it happens all the time. But I, I don't think Detroit's that team this year. To talk to themselves, I can. Now you can give me the case 
that Sauce Gardner could make a lot of sense yeah. if you want to build a yep. team on the perimeter with great corners and a secondary, and you've got some good young players there. I you could you can have me you can give me that conversation, Jason. But to me, you win up front in the trenches, and he this guy Aiden Hutchinson he's he's a trench warrior. This is what yeah. you're looking for. So pass rush, pass rush. At three for Houston, um, they now look, they could go corner two, but I, I believe Nick Casario is going to um, espouse what you were just talking about, building a team from the inside out, and I think he's taking one of these offensive linemen. If you were him, is there one of those three that you would prefer to the others? Well, you know, you should draft the, what, what you think is the best player. Now, I was talking to Patrick Sertan last night and something we were doing you know, and, you know, Patrick Sertan from Alabama now with the Denver Broncos. And yes. I asked him, you know, because I was asking him about, you know, his experience last year and all that. I go, and so I said, you know, project what Evan Neal was like. What was he like when he came to Tuscaloosa? He goes, he was the biggest elephant I've ever seen. You know, yeah. like he came in day one with an, a pro body at age 18, yeah. with a pro yeah. body and started 41 straight games for the best program in the country. Mm-hmm. And I go, you've got Laramie Tunsil, who's as good as anybody at left tackle in this whole business. Um, you plug Evan Neal, who started the 2020 season at right tackle for Alabama, and you put yep. him at right tackle. And, you know, maybe Davis Mills is the guy, maybe he is. He's got a shot. You're going to find yeah. out a whole lot more about yep. what he is if you can lock down the right tackle position with Laramie Tunsil. And you just get two, you know, Two guys that, like, literally, Laramie Tunsil was the best player in his draft five years ago. Um, you know, things happened, you know, the day before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know. But, you know, you, yeah. you, you get bookends right there. Like, start building it. Start building it up front. That, that would make yeah. sense to me. That's who I've had linked there forever and ever and ever. Um, we'll, we'll see if, if, if I was right or not. Sauce at four to the New York football Jets. You, you buying that one? I am. You know, I, I, I think I said this maybe last week, Jason, maybe it was before that, but, you know, I was there in New York two weeks ago. Uh, it was actually two weeks ago yesterday when Sauce came for his visit. And, you know, I mean, I, look, I know it's, it's a visit. Um, that whole organization, Jason, like they were like their hair was on fire. They were so excited yeah. that Sauce Gardner was in their building. And it wasn't, I mean, it was everybody, it was secretaries, like everybody was talking about it, uh-huh. you know, and, you know, they, you know, walking down the hallway there in New York and there's sauce and he's got his, you know, he's got his bling on and he looks professional <laughs> and, you know, yeah. he, he, the kid is a mature kid. Like, you know, he reminds me a lot, actually a lot of what Patrick Sertan was last year. Okay. Like just buttoned down, professional, yeah. knows what this thing is about, don't have to worry about him. He's got great credentials. He's been well coached in a good program. Um, you don't there's you don't get six foot three or six foot two and a half corners every year that come into the draft that run like that. Right. Um, right. Like to me, it just makes sense. And if you could say, okay, Robert Sala, all right, he wants to build this defense. And if San Francisco's the blueprint, fine. But there's no Nick Boza in this draft. No. You know, there's not a guarantee Nick Boza. But you can build this thing from the back end and give and you can you can you you can lock down the outside against Stephon Diggs and you know the receivers that you got to deal with and all that kind of stuff 
but you know, you you're going to have a little bit more flexibility to get to the quarterback. And and I think this draft is deep in rushers. You know, they they still yeah. own you know the tenth pick. They still own the thirty fifth pick. There's going to be op- opportunities to get one of those edge rushers, but you're not going to get an opportunity to get Sauce Gardner uh, with your second pick. Giants have had needs along the offensive line forever. Uh, and it's been a minute, Baldy, since they had real pass rushers as well. Those NASCAR packages they used to put together yeah. to stop Tom Brady. It's been a minute. What would you do at five? What do you think they do? Thibodeau, you could also make the case for Stingley. And in this little exercise we're doing, there's still two offensive linemen who are highly regarded, really high, highly regarded on the board. Well, I mean, if they took an offensive lineman, if they took Icky at five, which I would do, I don't I, – I mean, I can't remember a team that would have the fourth pick in the draft and the fifth pick in the draft, you know, manning the tackle position. Yeah. At some yeah. point, the Giants have to develop players. I mean, you can draft all these guys. They haven't developed anybody. I mean, they barely developed Andrew Thomas over two years now. Um, but I, I would – if you want to find out if Daniel Jones can be the guy, if he can ever get rid of his foibles at taking care of the football and putting together a streak of games um, where he's really – he looks like, you know, a top six pick in the draft. Like, you've got to find this out about him. Like, you just can't keep – going through these years and putting a guy that just keeps turning the ball over the way he does. And is it because of the lack of protection offense line or is it who he is? Cause he did that at Duke as well. But I mean, I, I think part of this is let's build the line in New York. Let's give Saquon the best chance to see if he can ever recover from an injury that, you know, he doesn't look like the same player to me um, that he did his rookie year or second year. So, like, let's find yeah. some of these things out. Let's give them the best chance to do it. And that's what I would do. I mean, I, I would I would draft Icky at number five. As we get outside the top five, I don't know about you, Baldy, but I, I have heard a lot of heat about receivers and teams per- perhaps jockeying for position for receivers and maybe even receivers uh, being the target of trade-ups. Uh I've heard buzz from executives who believe that the Jets, if they don't go Sauce Gardner, um, there's certain people in that building, including maybe the owner, who are infatuated with uh, Drake London. Uh, I think a guy like Howie Roseman might look at a Jameson Williams and say, I'm not worried about weeks one through eight. If this guy comes in and does – for me, what some other Alabama receivers have done for their teams in recent years right away, that's like winning the trade deadline. That's like putting my team over the top. Let me build a trap team around Jalen Hurts and see what that looks like. And there's other teams who say, we get all that, but we think Garrett Wilson's the best receiver in the class, and he should go top 10-ish. I see a lot happening with receivers, you know, between, say, 5 and 15. I agree with you. Like I said, I was talking to Patrick Sertan, and, you know, he played against Jameson Williams when he was at Ohio State and watched all the games this year. Um, Jameson Williams changes the game. Um, nobody runs like that in this draft. Yep. I mean, it's rare, rare to see. I mean, he's a gazelle. But he's more than just a fast guy. He's not John Ross. 
that runs a you know he probably right. does run straight line first. right right straight line only yeah, yeah. no no this guy's got movement you know he's got he's got subtle movement but you know you can watch him just run by people like nobody runs by the SEC the way he runs ran by the SEC all those receivers Jerry Judy and Rugs and you know Devonte Smith nobody ran by that conference the way this kid did this year and you know. Like, I think he's just rare. Now, you could, there's no question that the owner in New York wants a receiver. (laughs) Yes. He's not coming out of this draft without an elite receiver. Right. Whether it's Debo or DK or AJ or somebody they draft. Yeah. We we know they struck out in Tyreek. We know that they were interested in Devontae. You know, they're interested in Debo. Um, There's still time for that deal to go down. Yep. Uh, if 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 San Francisco is playing, um, Drake London is certainly in play at ten. Uh, so Garrett Wilson is certainly in play. You know, so like I don't think they're coming out of the the tenth pick tonight and not coming away with the receiver. Right. So it's just a question of which one. To me, Garrett Wilson looks like Devontae Adams with speed. Nobody runs like Jameson Williams in this draft. And Drake London, I, I don't believe he's Mike Evans the way some people want to comment. No, like, me I don't either. believe he can run like that. But he is he's a, a big a slot, big, right? He's a big slot who you can run your offense to. Yeah, I mean, he's going to catch a lot of balls like he did at USC. Keep the chains moving. Yeah. Chain, but I, I, I don't think he can run down the field like Mike Evans can run down the field no. um, and has been doing for eight straight years in a row. Like, I, I don't want to make that type of uh, comparison. No. But, I, like, but the Jets, they're – so, you know, do you do you so is there a movement to the Eagles look at James Williams? You know, you look at the Eagles and they need a receiver like they made a mistake with Jalen Rager, a horrible mistake. Yeah. But yeah. just because you recognize your mistake doesn't make the thing go away. Like it just makes it bigger. Like you gotta correct this thing. You wanna find out if Jalen Hurst could be the guy? You gotta throw to more than Devontae Smith into a tight end, Dallas Goddard. You need more than yeah. that. Now they drafted Landon Dickerson with a torn ACL last year. And they kind of sat him for the first month. And by the time he got to October, he was a starting left guard. Uh They're probably not going to get him out of there. So they've shown that they're willing to be patient with a player that has great talent and upside. They've shown you, especially, you know, if 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 you went to the doctors at Alabama that did the ACL surgery for Landon Dickerson, and I don't know, Jason, maybe you know, if the same doctor did Jameson Williams, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, but you would go to Alabama and talk to him about rehab and, you know, type of person. Like, you, you'd have a familiarity with getting as much background on the player as you possibly can. Um, so, like, I believe the Eagles are in a position to go trade for a great player. Like, they could sit there at 15 and 18, and they could take the players that fall to them. You know, and maybe Kyle Hamilton is long. Could be Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. You get kind of lucky. But I I believe that just knowing Howie, like, yep. he, he he's swinging for the fences, man. Like, he's not yeah. – like, if he has a chance to go get a great player that can come in and and really elevate this team, like, he's, he's willing to make trades yeah. to go up for sure. Yeah. And we know the the you know moving into the teens here. We know that the Saints have multiple picks as well, and they're well positioned to move up 
if they want to. But if you're going up, somebody has to go down. And and Baldy, I don't know if you got to hear anything that's come out of Carolina this week. We had, you know, Matt Rule and and Scott Fitterer talking. We had David Tepper do a Zoom yesterday, the owner, which I particularly got a kick out of. He's throwing his arms around Sam Darnold, uh, Baldy. He's, He's trying to sell the unsellable to his fan base that is tuning him out by talking about Sam Darnold and, and, and uh, how he could be a viable, you know, uh, winning quarterback in this league. Baldy, I think they want to trade out of this pick as, as badly as humanly possible and go get their quarterback in the middle of the first round where they pick up some draft capital that they surely lack, where they don't have to treat him and pay him like a top 10 pick and where they still get their guy, but they get him in a more feasible spot than maybe reaching for him, uh, you know, just outside the top five. Well, I don't think there's any question about that, Jason. Um, it, it, you can't sell Sam Darnold after what we have watched. He was horrible. No. I understand that somehow the offensive line at Carolina was even worse than the one at the Jets. Uh, I mean, I don't know if, if Sam is, is scarred or not scarred, but you can't tell me to go to a game Go watch this game and you tell me that Sam Darnold isn't, you know, worthy of, you know, the third pick in the draft or whatever he was. So I, 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 I totally agree with you, Jason. They would love to trade back from the sixth pick. I don't know who wants to get there. Um, I, I, I don't have any, uh, you know, intel to tell me that somebody wants right. to trade and give them a second-round pick and, you know, a, a first-round pick in order to go get to that spot. I don't know who wants to do that, but, you know, I guess by trying to embrace Sam Darnold, you're trying not to look as desperate as you are, you know, to try to get back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's way too rich, the sixth pick here, for any of these quarterbacks in this draft. You You might like Kenny Pickett or the upside of Malik Willis or whatever, but not at number six. It's just, it's just not, uh, it's just not a value pick. As we uh, are now sort of outside the top 10, I would imagine in your estimation, when we start getting into, let's say, the, the, the teams like the the Texans at 13, the Ravens at 14, uh, you start thinking about people like Jermaine Johnson, right? You start thinking about people like Jordan Davis, and then that next wave of offensive linemen start to factor in as well, probably led by Trevor Penning, uh, who plays the game, um, uh, let's just say, with a physical edge. Is that is that yeah. is that fair? Yeah. No, I mean, look, I think you're right. I think you're right. Like, I, I like Jermaine Johnson a lot, and you could, you know, mock him here with a few hours ago before the draft today. Uh, to Baltimore. Jordan Davis makes a lot of sense. We all know the way the Ravens like to build their teams. Um, you know, going back to Haloti Nada and before that, um, they like them They like them big up front. And Jordan Davis fits that bill. They they still believe old-fashioned wise, like stop the run, plug it up, up, yeah. up the middle. Um, they've got a new defense coordinator, obviously. Um, you know, that uh, we got to see what he's like. But, you know, he, he started there in Baltimore, went to Michigan, came back. So we, we see what that's about. But Jermaine Johnson would give them some juice off the edge, there's no doubt. Uh, he would do the same thing to Houston. Uh, so you can see that. You can see Jermaine Johnson or Jordan Davis in Philadelphia as a fallback. If they just stay there, they can't move. 
Like all three of those guys yeah. really yeah. fit with what Philadelphia has typically liked to do. I, I did this thing the other day, and if you look at the Philadelphia Eagles under Joe Banner and Howie Roseman, in 2010 with 13th pick, they took Brandon Graham. 2012, they traded up to go get Fletcher Cox. 2017, they took Derek Barnett. The pick before Derek Barnett at 14 was Hassan Reddick at 13. Yeah. And there he is in Philadelphia right now. The sweet spot for them drafting defensive linemen has been in the middle of that first round. And that's where they're at. And they're, they could have a couple guys sitting right there uh, if they don't move that could really fit either off the edge in Jermaine Johnson or Jordan Davis up front. I'm not as high on Jordan Davis in uh-huh. some some you know teams because I, I think you're like just the way we saw George. I think there could be a weight issue there. Um, there was this year with him. I mean he, he he got in shape for the national championship game and he played much better. But I don't know what pass rush you're going to get from him if you're going up against Josh Allen, Tom Brady. These teams are going to throw the ball a lot. Like I don't know what kind of pass rush you're going to get from Jordan Davis right now. We have um, other teams uh, from the middle of the first round to the back end with multiple picks. The Saints have a couple bites at that apple. The Chiefs, the Packers. Um, any thoughts on that? And, you know, Brian Gutenkiss did his, the general manager of the Packers, did his uh, version of the Liars lunch this week and wondering if you decoded anything from that. Well, you know, so I, I, I happen to like Brian Gutekinds. I knew his dad real well. Um, I'm pulling for him. Like, the, you know, the thing about Green Bay, to me, they, they run this whole draft. You know, they've got picks 22 and 28, 53, 59, 92. Yeah. They have won 39 games, Jason, the last three years. Okay. Yeah. They lost a great player in Devontae Adams. I don't want to undermine how great Devontae was and the relationships he had with the quarterback. But it's a receiver. It's a receiver. And it helps that you've got the MVP of the league throwing it to him. Like, you can't tell me that you can't somehow cobble together a receiving core and be a, still a, a, a team that's going to be favored to win the NFC North. Like, they've got nothing but first-round picks on defense over there. Like, they got a chance. And what Brian said was, we're not building this thing for the short term meaning our quarterback has got one or two years here. Like, we're building this thing for the long term, and that's what he should do. And so, like, they've had great success drafting receivers in the second round, um, and they've got two picks at 53 and 59 where there's going to be receivers there. But if they take a receiver, they take a receiver. But if they want to go make a splash, they got a chance to go make a splash, and they've got themselves covered. Like, they're a, they're a great organization, despite – what the quarterback has said at times, like this, they're doing things the right way. Right. Right. You know, and so they won. I mean, nobody wants to look at it, but nobody knew who Yash Nyman was last year playing left tackle for him, you know, or yeah. John Runyon at left guard. Like they played rookies at the offensive line last year. Most teams, it would have just, they might as well just, you know, caved it in halfway through the season, but they, you know, they, they were well coached. You got a good coach there. Um, they played well together up front. But there's so many different ways Green Bay could go with this thing. Like, nothing will surprise me. Nothing. But, I, but you know, they're going to get really good players at those positions where they're at right now. And, like I said, if somebody wants to come up into the first round 
and take that 22nd or 28th pick, I, I can see Green Bay doing that in a heartbeat. The interesting thing about those three teams is you would look at them on paper, right? Saints, Packers, Chiefs, and I'll say, my God, they need a receiver, right? I mean, Green Bay and Kansas City traded their number one receivers, and the Saints' number one receiver hasn't played football in two years and is nearing a point in his contract where Michael Thomas is probably in his final year with them. But do you think all three of them do it, Baldy? Because I'm not convinced that they all do, and I'm also not convinced that they all actually use both picks because I could see Green Bay or Kansas City, at least one of them, trading their second first-round pick, looking at value in day two, and that's a spot where maybe somebody comes up and gets a fifth-year option on their quarterback at the tail end of the first round. Jason, if I'm building a team, I think the last position that I'm worried about is the receivers. Like everybody mm-hmm. else loves the receivers, and let's you know, let's mock them to receivers here and there, and let's draft seven in the first round. I mean, Michael Thomas was a second round pick out of Ohio State. Right. You know, you know right. he caught 149 passes from Drew Brees, but the one consistency, and you know, the you know for for years, the Patriots never drafted a receiver in the first round. Now they they broke yeah. that string a couple of years ago, but the yeah. the one commonality between the Patriots. The Saints with Drew Brees, with Patrick Mahomes, when Aaron Rodgers, when you have elite quarterbacks the way all those teams did, like you almost the the, the quarterback makes the receiver. And yeah. I, you, if you have Patrick Mahomes, he's going to throw to the open guy. Like yes, Tyreek Hill makes a difference. He can take a five yard screen pass, you know, shallow cross, and turn it into a touchdown like he did against Buffalo, and you know, in a playoff game, but. You know, he's going to throw to Byron Pringle. You know, he's going to throw to the open guy. Yeah. And so these guys see the field different. I think Drew Brees is second to Tom Brady with throwing to over 70 different receivers for touchdowns. <laughs> right, right. You know, these guys – so to me, when you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Patrick Mahomes, like it's you, – you're going to address the position, you know, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, Juju Smith, like they're going to plug holes, but the quarterback is going to, they've got Hawkeyes and they've got live arms and they see the game differently. And so I I just don't think it's the biggest priority for these teams right now. Well, I'm with you, Baldy, and I see, I think last time I checked, um, a lot of the sports books had six and a half or seven as the over-under on receivers. I'm with you. I think because there's so many of them, and once you get beyond a couple, they're they're so closely clustered, I think teams are going to lean into a Devontae Wyatt as a D lineman at the end of the first round, or lean into a corner like Kyler Gordon at the end of the first round, or lean into an offensive line prospect rather than a receiver. I could be wrong, but I think we're looking at more like five to six receivers tops because I think they're, to your point, I think they're going to feel like that's a dependent position on a quarterback, but if we can't cover, if we can't, if we don't have any interior pass rushers, if we can't defend the edge, we're bleeped. Yeah, well, I mean, look, look, just look at Kansas City the last two years, okay? Like, you know, in the Super Bowl against Tampa, you know, they couldn't protect the quarterback. So what did they do last yeah. year? Went out and drafted Sold out two. Sold out the rebuild line. Went yeah. after two, drafted two. They played every snap. Creed Humphrey, uh, you know, Ty Smith. Like, they – Trey Smith. They 
they addressed off they addressed the line and they got right back to a championship game again this year. Like just look at these teams and you know how they how they lose a game. You know, like Tampa Bay loses Tristan Wirfs, you know, against the Eagles in a playoff game. Suddenly Tom Brady can't get protected. Yeah. You know, you can say, okay, receivers, receivers, receivers. You give these quarterbacks time, you know, and an extra tick, they will carve you up no matter who they're throwing it to. So I just think, you know, I know Aaron Rodgers has said some things about, you know, they haven't really addressed. Look, when you've got Devontae Adams and, you know, like nobody knew who the tight end was a couple years ago when he caught a level touchdown pass. Like these guys make these players. And so – I think Sky Moore and you 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 can look at you can look at all these different guys and you could just look at some of these receivers and you go, Man, maybe George Pickens is gonna be, you know, or you know, maybe John Mechie gets health healthy or Sky Moore, you know, Christian Watson or some of these guys. Alex Pierce, right? Alex I'll, Pierce I'll take them on Friday. I'll take them on Friday. Yeah. Exactly. Like so I think you can you can get you you can have like a a love affair, you know that, you know a lot of these guys have a hard time staying healthy. You know you look at remember that year with Sammy Watkins, he was, you yeah. know, he traded, Buffalo traded up to get him, and here yep. he is on his fourth or fifth team now, and great guy, kind of want him on your team, but he's you know he's yeah he's not the fourth pick in the draft the way Devontae was the ninth wide receiver taken that year, you know the fifty third uh, yep. pick in the draft, and here he is the best of all of them, you know. Well, Baldy, we could not wrap this up without talking a little quarterback. I, I think most people would agree that Pickett and Willis go somewhere in this first round. Do you think anybody else warrants going in the first round? And do you think they will? Because I, I, I just think with Detroit at 32 and then maybe somebody else trading into the back end of the first round, I, I think at least three go tonight, but we'll see. I think it's more like two, Jason. Uh, I think when people look at, you know, the, this after Pickett and Willis, uh, I think most people would agree that Pickett looks like he's the most NFL ready, uh-huh. that Malik Willis needs time um, the way most of them do. Uh, and I and I would want to coach, you know, Malik Willis. I, I, I mean, I've been on record since the senior bowl. Yeah. Like, I'd love to coach that kid. But a year ago at this time, nobody knew who Malik Willis was. So that's awfully fast. You know, to all of a sudden say, okay, yeah. let's, let's go compete, you know, for, uh, you know, a playoff spot in the NFL with them. I think it's awfully premature. If you look at Desmond Ritter, played a lot of football, you know, he's got a, you know, you know, got the athletic size and all that stuff, but I don't know how accurate, you know, he's going to be. And, you know, you look at Matt Corral and um, he's awfully, he's awfully thin. Um, you know, the frame just doesn't look like it can hold up like it didn't. When he got hurt against Baylor in a play, you know, in a, in a bowl game. But I like Matt Crowd. Everybody likes his arm, but he he doesn't look like he's going to step in and go compete uh, and take a team, you know, to the playoffs in, in two years. I I just don't think that's so. Sam Howell, you go through the list of these guys; they look like second round picks to me. Yeah, and it'll be fascinating to see if anybody does feel like the the allure of the fifth year option um, as a first round pick ends up. Uh, ends up swinging the pendulum. It did for Paxton Lynch uh, a few years yeah. ago. So you don't have to be an elite, elite prospect, that quarterback, for somebody to say it's worth a flyer. Well, Baldy, I hope you have a blast out there in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, 
I will be tuning in as always. Uh, we will both absorb and take in this first round, and we will do this again on Friday, um, hitting sort of our highlights and takeaways from round one and also setting up uh, Friday with day two, which will be loaded with talent as well. This has been the first round uh, edition of Odyssey's 2022 draft special. You can listen to Baldy and I talk shop, talk football all the time on Baldy's breakdowns. Please uh, subscribe and uh, download, rate, review. We're on iTunes, Spotify, uh, the Odyssey app, everywhere you get your podcast goodness. And we hope everyone has a wonderful night watching the first round. And we will talk to you guys on Friday.